Well, thank you so much, Joanna, for welcoming me here and giving me this intro. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us into an awesome time into his presence. And of course, thank you, all you beautiful people who are welcoming me this morning into your homes to preach the word of God this morning. And like I always say, I really believe, and I'm not just saying that, I really believe that God wants to speak to you this morning in a very specific way. So I really uh, hope that you will open up your hearts and your minds that God can speak to us so that we can really change who we are into the person that God wants and needs us to be. Amen. Okay, I'm going to continue preaching this sermon series that I have been preaching about for several, several months by now, where we are talking about the God we worship. Now, the last three times I preached about it was the God of our past, the God of our present, the God of our future. Last time I preached about that, Pastor David was sitting uh, in our home watching the service. Then he said, okay, Stefan, so I guess next sermon you're going to preach is the God of our eternity. And actually, I didn't plan to it, but then I thought, hey, you know what? When Pastor David says preach about it, I better listen. And that's why this morning I am going to preach about the God of our eternity. Come on. The God of our eternity. And I know that God is interested in each and every one of us and the people who don't know him. If you have been listening into our Bible studies the last few weeks, actually, before we had the break, Pastor David several times mentioned that God is not only the God of the Jews or the God of Israel, but that God is also not only the God of the Christian, but God is the God of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, God loves everyone. God loves us, but he loves the people and he cares for the people who don't know him yet. And if you're here this morning and you have tuned in for the very first time, maybe somebody invited you, maybe you just stumbled across on YouTube on this video, I want you to know that you are not here by accident. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose and that you are determined to be here this morning because he has a word for you specifically into your life this morning. So I want to talk about the God of our eternity and that God has a plan and a purpose and that he wants us to reach those who don't know him. And that's why it's so important that we really understand who God is because we are his representatives. So if people look at us, they are supposed to see God in us. And if we are short of that, it's about time that we come to God and say, God, change me into that person, that I can be that person to reach the people around me for your glory. You know what? Growing up in Germany, I remember we were quite radical. We would go onto, uh, onto the streets with a little uh, cardboard that we made and we, we studied and choreographed some dances with our youth group and we had the youth uh, worship team play some songs and we would go out into the streets and we would play the worship songs. We would appoint someone to give a short testimony. We would do our dance and we were looking for people 
who stopped and were interested in what we were doing. And then we would go up to them and talk to them about Jesus. And that's why I memorized a few scriptures from Romans, because Romans shows you the, the road to salvation very nicely and clearly. And because we went out quite often, I memorized them just so if people are already uh, knowing what we are talking about and their belief in the Bible, I could quote those scriptures to them. The first one, of course, was Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then the next one that I would use was Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5 verse 8 was also always nice to use. And there it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then I would finish up with Romans 10 verse 9 where it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you are here this morning for the first time and you believe that God is real already and you believe that maybe the Bible is the word of God, then those scriptures can help you tremendously because they show that we all need to be saved, that all of us fall short of the glory of God. We also see that the wages of sin is death and that we need something to atone for our sin so that we don't have to suffer the consequences of that sin. And then it says that even before we became righteous, God already sent Jesus to die for our sin. So it's not us who are earning our salvation. God has provided salvation to us by what Jesus did on the cross before we were even anywhere close to God. And that is the good news because he is interested. And then, of course, the last scripture we talked about just now was that if we, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe it in our heart that he is raised from the dead, we are saved. That is salvation in a nutshell. And I believe it with all of my heart. But I was growing up in Germany, going out on the streets, and I realized that many people did not even consider the Bible to be the word of God. So there was no point in me quoting scriptures to them because they didn't even believe that that is the word of God to start out with. So I realized, you know what, when I would tell my personal testimony and the testimony of my brother, it would work so much better because my brother, when he was eight years old, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. They rushed him to the hospital because it was so painful many days. And they realized the stomach cancer, they cut him open, took as much out as possible, but they were not a specialized hospital. So they closed him up again and, and transferred him to a specialist hospital. And he was supposed to get the next operation to remove everything else three days later. In those three days, my, my parents called the church and the pastors and the leaders of the church. And every evening after work, the church would come together and would pray for my brother. When we got to the hospital, the doctors uh, prepared everything for the operation and then they realized that all the cancer was completely gone. Not only did it shrink or was in remission, it was completely gone. There was no traces that there ever was any cancer to, to start out with. Now that is a miracle that even the doctors could not explain. 
And so when I told that to people, first reaction was, ah, sure or not, you're lying to me or not. I said, what is the point of me lying to you? I am telling you what I experienced. I was six years old. My brother was eight years old. I still remember sitting at his bedside in the hospital playing cards with him. My parents, tears in their eyes because I can only imagine how they must have suffered at that time. But here's the good news. God came through. God produced a miracle. Why? Because the church prayed for my brother. God answered that prayer and we received a miracle in our life. So I know that God is real. I know that God is interested in each and every one of us. I know that God has the power to heal the sick, to raise people up if they are downcast, if they are depressed, if they are in stress or anxiety. I know that my God can do miraculous things. And I want you to know that you can experience God in that same way. So if you're here today for the first time, give God room in your heart. And in the next 30 minutes or so, I tried to keep it to 30 minutes. In the next 30 minutes, if you ever feel that your heart is starting to go up, to beat a little bit faster, I want you to know that that is the Holy Spirit prompting something in your heart, prompting something for you to be able to respond to Him and experience God in your life for yourself. And maybe you are here and you have been a Christian from the time before Adam. You have been a Christian for 40, 50, 60 years already. I want you to know that God wants to work things out in our life more than ever before. There is so much more to be experienced. And now I can imagine uh, Auntie Betty in the church, if we could still meet there. If I say that, she would say yes and amen because she is so passionate to experience more of God, even though in her, how should I say it, advanced age. <laughs> but it's always so encouraging for me to see people who know uh, uh, Christ, who know God for so many years, are so hungry for more of Him. So I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter where you are in your life's journey, Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you never even thought about God. Or maybe you have been a Christian for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, or for many, many years. I want you to know that God wants to lead you and guide you into a future that is good so that he can show you who he really is. And I know that God can do powerful things in your life. Amen. So today we're going to talk, uh, talk about a scripture in Mark chapter 5, where we're talking about a woman who has been struggling with sickness for 12 years. But then she goes to Jesus and she experienced Jesus in a way that I and you, that we want to experience him as well, right? Not only to cleanse us and to heal us, to give us a miracle, but that God, Jesus, takes time for that woman to really minister to her. Because that is the good news. God does not just want to do something for us. He wants to be involved in our life. He wants to be really involved in what we are doing on a day-to-day basis. Amen. So let's look into Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 35. And a woman was there who had been subject to pleading for 12 years. 
She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing that had happened, what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, now here is this woman that for all we know, never met Jesus personally. It just says in the Bible that she heard about Jesus and that she made up her mind and thought, you know what, if I come close to Jesus, because she heard of all the miracles that Jesus had done before, so she must have thought, you know what, my only hope is coming to Jesus. Maybe he can do something in my life. And so she made her way to Jesus. And I want you to know, if you're here this morning and you have never been to church before, it's all right. I do believe that God is waiting for you and has appointed this time for you to draw near to God. If you have been a Christian for many years, I believe it's time that we come to God and say, God, I surrender my everything to you. I know that there are still things in my life that I need to surrender to God. So this is the time to really come to God and to surrender. But here's three things that I want you to consider. And the first thing that we have to think about is what is the dominating voice in our life? What is the dominating voice in our life? Because in, first, in verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. See, like I said, she heard about Jesus. And then if you go into the next verse, then it says, and then she was thinking to herself. So it started with what she heard about Jesus in her life. And I believe that the dominating force, the dominating voice in our life will determine what we are thinking and what we are thinking will determine what we are doing. Think about that. Everything starts with the dominating force or a voice that we are listening to in our life. So we are listening to that. Now, when we listen to that, that will determine how we think. And then our thoughts will determine of how our worldview is going to be, what we're going to do. And our worldview will determine our actions. And then our actions will determine where we are heading, the direction, the purpose, the destiny that we are uh, following in our life. So I want you to know that it is so important of what we are listening to. And now I feel like a youth pastor 
telling the youth every Saturday is so important of what we are listening to. It is so important what you are watching on TV, on the internet, on your phone. It's so important what you let in because what you let in will determine of what will come out. <laughs> But we are not just here. It's not only a message for the youth. It is a message for you and it's a message for me that we have to understand the importance of determining what the initial thought or what we are listening to in our life because the dominating voice will determine what we are thinking and that will determine our actions and our worldviews and that will determine the direction that we go in our life. So I want you to know that that works both ways. If we let God work in us and we give him a chance to lead us, I believe what we are listening to is the voice of God. And if we are listening to the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, then that will determine what we are thinking. And our thinking will determine our worldview. And our worldview will determine our action. And that will determine if we draw nearer to God or not through our action. But I want you to know that that also can go the other way around. That when we become so consumed with stress and fear and anxiety, that if we are listening to those kind of voices, which are all around us, come on now with COVID-19, the numbers are higher than ever before. And it can be worrisome. It can bring us to a place where we receive messages on WhatsApp and we get a shock and we get frightened and then we faster forward. And that is how we start to spiral from getting fearful and stressed and it leads to anxiety, maybe even depression. And before you know it, it sucks us deeper and deeper into that void. But I want you to know if we are in that ascent, if we are going down that spiral, that we can give God a chance to intercept and that we start to listen to the voice of God, listen to what he wants to speak into our life. And that is not doom and that is not uh, things that will tear us down, but it is a good news, news that he wants to be involved in our life. That he did not just start creation and is now just sitting back for millions of years, not even caring about us. No, he wants to be involved in our life. And he has good plans for us, plans to prosper us and give us a future. So if you are in anxiety and fear, know that God can step in and break that spiral and that he can start to pull you up. But we have to let him come in. We have to let him speak to us more than before. And maybe if you're here and you have never experienced it before, it's not like a cookie crazy idea where God speaks in a crazy way. Very often he speaks through a thought in our minds or through a conviction in our heart where we just know this is true. God loves me. God has a good plan for me. God has a good future for me. So I believe that and I will start praying about it and I see God move in my life. So give God a chance to work in your life. Give God a chance to speak to you again instead of being bombarded with all the other voices because what you are listening to will become the dominating force in your life. So make sure that you take time 
to listen to what God has to say. How can we do that, Pastor? Well, it is very easy for me to say it, but it's hard to practice. It is first of all, of course, praying. How do we get to know God's will, God's purpose for our life? Be encouraged by God by coming to Him in prayer. Another one is reading the Bible. We see what God has said because the Word of God is His Word. So God is His Word and He wants to speak to us through the Bible. So read your Bibles and pray every day and you will crow, crow, crow. Remember that song from Sunday school? But it is so fundamentally true that we have to pray and read our Bibles, pray in tongues, come to God, spend time with Him. Get your spirit equipped with more of God. Now, the second thing that we can learn from the story is that it's the question of what norms do we have to break? What norms do we have to break? Verse 25 and 27. And the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. The next verse, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. See, this woman, she heard about Jesus and then she was thinking about what she has to do to get her miracle. But here's the things. There were norms for her that put her in subject to staying at home. Very close to what we are experienced for the last year already. MCO, we have to stay home. Not supposed to go out. Only if you really need to, then okay, you go to the shop to buy things and then faster go back home again. She was bleeding, so she was ceremonially unclean. So for her, the norm was she had to uh, stay at home away from people. Because if she would touch anyone or even come near anyone, she would make them unclean. So the norm would be, hey, you cannot go out. You have to stay away from people. But once she heard what Jesus was doing and what he could do, and she started to think of, hey, you know what? Maybe Jesus is my only hope. She said, you know what? There is this norm that I have to break. I cannot stay at home. I have to find Jesus because maybe, just maybe, he is the only chance that I have left of ever getting better. So she broke the norm on her life because she was not supposed to go out and she was not supposed to touch anyone, but she did. She was not supposed to touch a man, but she did. And especially she should have never ever touched a rabbi or a teacher. But she did. See, there were norms on her life where she realized, you know what? If I want to experience God, I have to break that norm. And I want you to know that there are norms on your life. There are norms on your life because you are Malaysian. There are norms on your life because you are a Chinese Malaysian or maybe Indian Malaysian. There are norms in your life because of the culture that you are in. There are norms in your life that people expect you to listen to because they have been dictated either way by the region, by the country, by the culture, by the people around you. And very often the ones that are most real to us is the norms that have been put on us because of our family. And you might be here today and say, you know what, pastor, no one in my family is a Christian. How could I even think about 
becoming a Christian. I want you to know if you want to experience God, you can step out and experience Him. But sometimes there are norms that we have to break. Sometimes there's cultural things put on us by our friends, by our family, by our surrounding that keep us back. But if we want to experience God in His fullness, if it comes to salvation or His working miracles in our life or His leading and guiding us into a better future, there will be norms that we will have to break. You know what, Pastor? I come from a family of Christians, but you know what? I, I never really read my Bible. Well, it's time to step out. It's time to break the norm that you have put on yourself. Come on. You could have been brought up in a perfect family with perfect rules and everything was right, geared for you to come to church, to experience God. But there comes a point in your life where you have to decide yourself if that is really what you want to pursue or not. Nobody can force you to, I wish that I could make everything right for my children and I would know that everything will be roses and butterflies in their life. But reality is probably they will get their heart broken. They probably will make mistakes. They probably will do things that I wish I could uh, help them to avoid. But at the end of the day, they have to make their own decisions and they have to learn from their own mistakes. But there are things in our life that have become norms and almost like rules that either way people have put on us or maybe we have put on ourselves. But I want you to know that it is time to step out. Just like this woman said, the rule is I cannot go out. The norm is I cannot be anywhere near people, but I have to step out so that I can receive that miracle. Maybe it's time for you to step out and say, you know what? Yes, there is no Christian in my family, but I'm going to step out because I want to experience that God that I am hearing about. The God who can do miracles. The God who is interested in me. The God who is so gracious that he gave Jesus in my stead so that I can have that relationship with God. It's time to step out. Come on, church. Maybe we have been Christian and we have been reading our Bibles. Maybe we have even prayed. But do we really have received the Holy Spirit? It's time to step out. Do we really, uh, can we really say that we are uh, uh, being led and being guided by God in our life through the Holy Spirit? If not, it's time to step out. If we have experienced God, but maybe we say, you know what, it's been a while since I really experienced God in my life. I want you to know, today is the time to step out of your comfort zone, to step out of the, the norms that people have put on you, or maybe you have put up yourself. It's time to step out, because I know that God wants to be experienced, and He's just waiting for us to make that step. He is just waiting for us to come out. There was no condemnation. When the woman came to Jesus and finally she said, yes, it was me, I touched you. And that's why I received my healing. She came clean before Jesus. There was no condemnation. Jesus could have easily said, oh my goodness, you touched me. The unclean has touched the clean. So now the clean has become unclean. 
But with Jesus was different. He said, you know what? The unclean has touched the clean, but now the unclean has been made clean. That is the good news. That we do not have to be afraid to come to God and say, you know what? I tried to get my life in order and then I come to God. No! We come to God so that he can help us to get our life in order. It's not that we have to clean up our life and then Jesus can come in. He wants to come in so that he can help us get a nice clean up in our life. Amen. So I want to encourage you to let Jesus in. There are norms that we have to break. There are comfort zones that we have to leave. There are things that we have to step out in order to experience God in our life. Number three, the third thing that we can learn from this is that what attitude do we have to change? What attitude do we have to change? Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now see, when she came to Jesus, there was no room. She had no place to approach Jesus because the crowd was pressing all around her. She had to make her way to Jesus somehow. So the only way that she knew how, maybe because she was bleeding for 12 years, I'm sure that she was frail and weak. So she dropped down on her knees and she crawled closer to Jesus, pushing herself through the legs of the people and making her way, coming closer and closer to Jesus. See, I want you to know that sometimes we have to humble ourselves to come to God. Maybe we are proud people. Maybe we are proud with our accomplishments in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to know that we could never ever earn our salvation. We could never ever earn our place in eternity out of our own good works. It would never be enough. So we have to come to a place where we say, you know what? I cannot come to Jesus on my own. I cannot come on a high horse. I cannot come how I am, but I have to humble myself and say, God, I cannot do it out of myself, but I am accepting your free gift for my life. Oh, I don't like to take uh, favors from people because then I feel like I owe people. Ever heard people talk like that? Oh, I don't like people doing me favors because then I feel like I owe them. But you know what? When it comes to God, there's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. It is a free gift that God is giving you. He said, what I have done through Jesus at the cross is a free gift to you. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. You simply have to accept it. But I also want you to know that even though it is free for us, it costs Jesus everything. So the cross is not cheap. The cross did not come cheap, but it cost Jesus everything. Now just think about that. My children every night sit down at the dinner table and they eat the food. It's free for them, but it wasn't free for me. <laughs> come on. All the groceries had to be bought. The meat has to be bought. The vegetables has to be bought. All these things are not free for me, 
but when I give it to my children, it's free for them. See, God gives us the free gift of salvation, of forgiveness of sin, but it cost him everything. So I want you to know, this is not something where I say, you know what, just try it out and see. No, this is worth considering because this cost Jesus really everything. And it's not something that we take lightly. If you want to experience God, you can, but think properly. Don't just say, okay, maybe I just pray a prayer and I just try it out. No, this will change your life. This will cost you. God never promised us a bed of roses, but he said, once you commit to this, you have to stick with it and it will cost you, but I will be with you every step of the way. You know what? I'm going to give you uh, an opportunity to really respond to God. So I want the worship team to come back and to sing a little portion of the last song, of that song again, so that we can prepare our hearts for the prayer that we are about to pray. Amen. So worship team, come on. Let's sing the song again. And Jesus, we come to you this morning and we just thank you that you have given us the free gift of salvation, that we know that we can partake in this and that we can accept this gift and we know that we will spend our eternity with you and with God in a good place. So this morning we come to you and we say, here I am. Take me. I accept your free gift of salvation in my life and wash me clean from all my sin and let me experience you in Jesus' name. Now just pray this prayer that we just prayed. Just Jesus, come into my heart. Let me experience you. Let me partake of salvation because of what you have done at the cross for me. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on. We're just going to uh, proclaim the blessing over your life. Amen. Ma, now may the Lord uh, bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in all your homes. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you're here this morning and you prayed this prayer of salvation for the first time, get in touch with one of us so that we can lead you into the next step of really becoming a part of a community of believers so that your faith can grow. Amen. For all the people, of course, all the believers before, I hope that you learned something as well to give your all to God, to step out so that you can receive a miracle in your life. So thank you very much for having tuned in this morning. I love you guys so much. I am proud of each and every one of you. I love you. Have an awesome week and I will see you. Bye-bye.